0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. <laughs> Aston it through, Wesley! the ball! That is a gigantic goal from a
1: man
2: who was made in the whole game and he delivers in London when it really matters for Aston Villa. Bridge! Oh, bridge! Helps
0: it on to Tyrone Reams and Konza! Esri Konza
2: gold for Aston Villa! Hello and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Andre Gaslit Lamp. It's once again time for a quick jaunt round Planet Villa, looking at the Newcastle game very briefly and some of the issues which that game has raised essentially before a brief look ahead to Spurs at Villa Park on Sunday. As ever, I'm Andy, taking take the reins from Regan again this week, and I'm delighted once again to be joined by Craig and Dan.
1: Hello everyone, Craig here. Nice to be back, talking all
0: good things
1: and bad AVFC.
0: Hi, gents, it's Dan here. Good to be back. I say it's good to be back, given the game on Friday. I'm not necessarily sure it is this week.
2: <laughs> no, absolutely, and... Uh, I mean, we'll get straight into that because um, it, it probably doesn't make an awful lot of sense to over-analyse uh, the Newcastle game this week. Um, it was very uninspiring, to say the least, um, but it has raised some talking points, and um, I know I know you guys have uh, have, have got some things you want to get your teeth into over the next hour or so on that. In truth, for the first two minutes of the game, nothing much happened. It was. Very sort of drab and mid mid um middle of the field stuff middle of the road stuff um, possibly Newcastle will feel they had the better of the play and seemed to be at least trying to put a, a shift in for their manager. It looked like they were they were trying to do a job for for Steve Bruce. It all felt a bit desperate and scratchy throughout and and both teams really entirely devoid of any creative spark at all. And that was until a, a you know a decent cross into the box. Um found Ollie Watkins in the 82nd minute, whose header was deflected in by Villa old boy, Kieran Clark. It was probably more than Villa deserved, in truth. Um but I'd say on 82 minutes you probably probably take it, shut up shop and deposit the three points in the bank. And and, and in all honesty, that's what Villa have, have been very, very good at this season um up to this point. But sadly that wasn't to be. That wasn't the case. And um in the final few seconds of injury time, J- Jamal LaSalle's uh, levelled with a, a really, really good header um past Martinez. It was a it was a proper sort of bullet header. Like I say, in fairness, Villa are usually excellent at closing these games out, but I mean Craig first of first of all Sum this game up you know give us give us a bit of context to what happened um well, I think that um it, we
1: didn't play very well would be the easiest thing to say but um <laughs> it, but it, it's probably a larger problem than that, obviously, this was kind of a continuation of the recent performances which have been kind of going since the Leeds win, which was you know score an early goal shut up sharp, and it was very you know it was very. It was very kind of coherent in that sense to us being really unable to create um, too many good chances and really squandering the good chances that we do create, particularly towards the end. Um, you're absolutely right. Villa this season have not been conceding late, late goals. And, and when we scored, I thought, well, that's it, 1-0. Um, we're done. But um, probably a combination of errors. Uh, El Ghazi with a lax clearance. John McGinn then not closing down the... Uh, the, uh, the 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 Newcastle player crossing the ball, you know, he's kind of jogging out there. I know we're going to talk about John McGinn later on, and then just a mismatch, Mitch mismatch, even uh, Lascelles versus uh, Douglas Suise. Really, there's only really going to be one winner there in the air. You know, you'd rather have obviously Conza uh, on him or at least Elmo. You know, someone a bit bigger. But um, uh, Newcastle deserved their draw. I don't think uh, you know anyone who's being reasonable about the game would begrudge them a point, and. Um, it's just a, a you know we're just in bad form you know that's that's how it is
0: yeah i think think craig's got a got a good point there like but the bad form for me is starting to look like something a little bit more systematic um I'll kind of preface this with the fact I'm not a tactical expert. I've played thousands of hours of football manager on my PC, but I'm not exactly a qualified coach. But I'm starting to not see the light with the 4-3-3 that Smith's playing these days. It's, it's a formation that on paper, if you look at it, leaves a huge gap between the striker and the midfield. And I think we saw that on Friday, especially with Watkins having a bad day. Nothing was sticking up there. And I think the idea with Smith playing, playing Ramsey and McGinn in there is we've got two guys that will get up and support him. The problem is neither of them did. And I think uh, there was a great piece in The Athletic actually over the weekend where they looked at the difference between when we play with a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1. And having a 10 in there just makes us get higher up the pitch. I think if you look at the average positions when we play both formations, we're about 10 yards higher up the pitch with a 4 2 one And it's Look, it's a small change, and, and Smith has forgotten more about tactics than I'll ever learn, but it seems to me like we've stopped doing what made us good at the start of the season, and that's be quick, direct, get the ball up quickly, and get men in and around Watkins. Um, and obviously, we're, we're short of some players. Jack's out. Barkley's not a, a peak fitness, but if ever there was a game to give Barkley a start, I think this was it, and, and maybe that tweak in formation could have, could have led to a better result for the boys.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I sort of understand that, and I've heard this kind of debate, you know, being had on other sort of platforms, other podcasts as well, and you know, I mean, it feels a bit like I know, I know that they are sort of very different systems, um, but the, the the shape certainly is the defensive shape would be very very similar, wouldn't it, between a four three three and a and a four two three one. But really, that difference that you're saying—that difference between the having the kind of the two eights and and almost a maybe a six and eight and a ten or two sixes and a ten—that that makes enough of a difference, or is it the fact that it's just that Jack Grealish isn't there and our transition is 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 so poor?
0: I think we're, we're maybe not a good enough team to play the 4-3-3 at the moment. If you think about like the top sides that have played 4-3-3, there's always movement to make up for that natural hole behind the striker. So you've got, let's say, Messi at Barcelona dropping in as a false nine, or Lampard in Mourinho's Chelsea busting a gut to get up into the box, or, or even Villa last year with Jack coming in from the wing, and I just don't think we have that movement in the players we've got at the moment. And the end result is our attacks are slow and stodgy and against a team like Newcastle and a Steve Bruce team who are going to drop into their shape, you need to kind of get them on the transition, I think. And I think that's the problem. When a 4-3-3 is done well, it's got lots of options, lots of possession. You can be quick if you want. But when it's done badly, it's stodgy and boring, kind of like Villa have been over the last few weeks. What do you reckon? I
1: agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that the issue that we, we we did have is I think that when Villa were playing well and we had uh, the the four two three one was what was going on and Barkley was in form. You know, he was really playing so close to Watkins. He was he was ahead of Watkins a lot of the time. And they were very, very close together. You know, I think we we all, we all agreed that Barkley should have started, I think, um, last week we said on the podcast against um, Newcastle. And yeah, the, the issues are really compounded, I think, this week because no one was anywhere near Watkins. And also, you know, Watkins couldn't trap a bag of smiths yeah. on Friday. <laughs> I mean, it was his worst game in a Villa shirt. And by the way, that's not Ollie Watkins' fault. I said on this very podcast last week, um, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, Wally Watkins, he's played all the minutes and yeah, only striker not to miss a minute. I said last week, that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good thing. Yeah. And I will repeat that now. That is not a good thing. Um, so do we look at the uh, recruitment? Do we look at the club overall and say, OK, obviously Smith doesn't trust Davis. I think that's probably pretty clear. Um maybe there's a mitigating circumstance in that the club thought Wesley might have been ready sooner than he was, but probably in January they knew, you know, he was still two, three months away. So should they have brought a player in on loan to help out um, Ollie Watkins? Easier said than done, perhaps. So maybe it's a bit simplistic to just say they can clip their fingers and bring in someone at the right level that can come in and, and help out Watkins. But for sure, I think Watkins has been let down and I don't blame him at all for his, for his kind of, dodgy performance on Friday because it's not his fault he's given us all he can give and we run him into the ground and it's you know I feel bad for him because he needs some help
2: yeah I'd, I'd echo that I think I think you're right there and he, it was it was evident he was he was really struggling it's the first time really I mean he's struggled at various times for goals but it was the first time I've really noticed him just struggling like you say to to, to control the ball to hold the ball Um he he just wasn't really on it um, until he. I mean, obviously, I suppose that's an assist for the goal, isn't it? Um, you know, and he did he did well to to kind of get ahead and get get on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're always having this debate about about a striker, and I, you know, I feel like this has been going on now for the last two seasons. I mean, last year we were underprepared in terms of strikers, only having Wesley, which who was, you know. Unproven in the in the country, let alone in the, in the Premier League, um, and it only had sort of Jonathan Codger and and Keane and Keenan Davis backing him up, and I think Codger and Davis were both injured at various times. Then Wesley got injured, and then you end up with Samata, and it's almost like the striking position. Although Watkins has been very good this season and kind of solved that problem for us, but it's almost like that striking position has has. Um, become more like the goalkeeping position of the previous few years I I mean I don't know what what you guys think about about that
0: I think it's strikers are notoriously the hardest position to recruit in and I think probably the most expensive too and I think that's probably what's paralyzed us recruitment wise and it's we the reason why we've done well I think in in patches this season is goals have come from all over the pitch like obviously Watkins is crucial to that but yeah, I think given a blank checkbook would have obviously signed signed another striker. I think that would have happened. And it's you know we we've, we've got money bags owners, but we've still got to be careful with that cash. And I I think we we said last week we we desperately want another striker in there to help Watkins out. This is what happens when we don't have that striker. And I think it's just going to make the case to the board even more that we need to invest again in the summer.
1: Yeah, it's really tricky, um, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm saying on the one hand, maybe we should have gone and bought a striker in in January. But again, it's not that simple. If you, you can waste money on some dross and had someone in with a bad attitude. I think lots. Joss King was the player that was linked. Um, you know, he I think he had one half decent season in the Premier League in his whole career. He wasn't pulling up trees in the championship and he's done absolutely nothing for Everton. So he's just, a, you know, he's just a drain on the wages, you know, for the rest of the season for Everton. He hasn't done anything thus far. Um, cue to him coming on and scoring against Villa in two weeks. But no, but 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 in <laughs> all seriousness, even if he does, that doesn't change the fact, you know, Josh King has not helped Everton, you know, over the course of, of you know, he's, he's not been worth the wages. So it's not just as simple as clicking clicking your fingers and getting a striker in that can help. And you also have that twenty two million pound player you know, the 22 million uh, red herring is, is Wesley. Now he was just start, obviously opinions are split about Wesley anyway. Um, I'm in the Wesley um, camp, I'm a, I'm a Wesley supporter. I think in that Burley game before um, Ben me scissored him and destroyed his knee, He was just starting to get it, you felt. You know, he scored a goal, he was putting himself about, he was sprinting. The team played really, really well that day, so it seemed as though he was just starting to warm up. And we've seen, you know, with the improvement in the um, Konzas and the Douglas Luizes of this world, that it takes some time, you know. And um, the problem with with Wesley is I'm sure the club don't want to write him off and just sign someone to replace him without giving him an opportunity to get back to his best. But there is a chance with an injury this severe that he will never be quite the same as well. So it's a difficult position uh, that the club are in and I do appreciate that. But having said all that, for sure in January when you know Wesley is still two or three or maybe even four months away, I think for sure they should have done something even if it was, you know, I'm sure they could have done something that better than Samatta or Borgia Baston. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well that's, just, that's, all, that's almost certain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah and I suppose there's a there's a there's a tactical element you know the transfer there's a there's a you know a process behind the transfers uh, last January obviously they had to throw it out the window and go and get players to replace injured players that, that had suddenly kind of it was McGinn um, uh, the goalkeeper i forgot forgotten Tom Tom Heaton and, um, and Wesley all got injured at the same time and they had to just go and get what they could, I think. You know, they didn't have to do that necessarily this, this January. You know, and if there's a plan, there might be a plan for someone, you know, like Tammy Abraham or someone of his ilk. Um, so you don't want to then just go and splash another £10 and whatever on wages, you know, just because you need a backup. You know, I suppose that's, that's kind of the sort of conversations that go on, really, but... um you know we'll see what happens in the summer i'm sure there'll be um you know lots of lots of links to, to to strikers in the summer and um you know and and we need it desperately need it because to to mount any kind of challenge um on the the top the top 6 the european places next year i think we're going to need you know options more options in that area definitely definitely i think um I mean, just just moving on to another issue that sort of came out from this, and I know you guys, you know, both wanted to, to talk about this tonight. But um, you know, I was I'll, I'll say I was amazed. I'm never that amazed when it comes to um, Aston Villa social media, um, but there has been a bit of a, a light trickle of, of of Smith out type stuff on social media since the game, and maybe maybe a little bit before that as well a few polls have popped up and and things like this about you know p- trying to gauge you know whether people are supporting smith still still seems like a bit of a minority at this point you know and clearly i mean certainly from, from my point of view dean smith has an awful lot of credit in the bank um over the the two and a half years that he's been at the club um you know i know you have, you both have a a view on dean smith and the job he's doing um but also his position currently and going forward as well you know over the next sort of um few years first of all dan what, what's what's your take on all this at the moment i mean firstly i shouldn't be amazed of what
0: happens on social media it's hardly a platform for logical discourse between like-minded individuals but i mean it's crazy isn't it i, I had a little look back at, at where we were when smith took charge a couple of years ago we were 13th in the championship no hope of promotion and since then, we've won promotion, survived in the Premier League, made it to mid-table, and had a day out at Wembley in a cup final. I mean, if that's bad performance, then I'd hate to think what good performance looks like. And it's it's not even the on the pitch stuff; it's the off the pitch too. He's he's improving the squad, he's improving our players, he's bringing through youth players. Even on a PR perspective, I think the club's got a much better connection with its fans and and with the wider footballing world. And as I say, social media isn't a place where you find sensible conversation. But I honestly don't know what fans expect. Are they, they expect us to go out and win the league, first season back in the back in the Premier League, to go out spend two hundred million on the best players in the world. This is, this is on the surface as good a performance as I think Villa could have had over the last two and a half years. And and I'd have snatched your hands off for this two and a half years ago when he came in. And so, like you, Andy, I've, he's got so much credit in the bank for me. He could get us relegated and I still wouldn't want him sacked at the moment that's how much credit he's got in the bank
1: I I agree I said the same last year actually as as you Daniel I said that you know if if Villa were to be relegated, I thought that we should keep Smith because he you know, has proven that he could get us out of the championship once. I think that these reactions obviously are emotional, and but I did see one which was a little bit more reasoned, which was this thinking, well, Dean Smith can't take us to the next level. Dean Smith can't take us to the top six, which is where we want to go. So we should thank him for his kind of efforts and move him along now. And I decided to do a little bit of research about the players that we have in um, I decided to do a bit of research on the players that we have, uh, Dean Smith has at his disposal. So I went through the starting 11 of the players that were playing against Newcastle the other day and I just want to read you, if you'll indulge me Yeah, go, go for it <laughs> A list of where these players have played up until this point in their careers and hopefully the point will become apparent pretty soon. Let's start with Emmy Martinez Oxford Reading, Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, Wolves, Getafe, Reading, Arsenal. You know, played very well, obviously, for half a season at Arsenal. So that would, that, that's probably his, his peak there. El Mahamedy, Enpai, which I may be mispronouncing. Apologies in advance for any clubs I mispronounce here. Enpai, Sunderland, Hull. Konza, Charlton, Brentford. Mings, Tate Town. Chippenham Ipswich Bournemouth Matt Target Southampton Fulham Douglas Louise, Vasco da Gama Girona obviously never made a, 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 an appearance for Man City John McGinn St. Mirren Hibernian uh, Ramsey Doncaster Traore is the best one of the bunch Chelsea Vitesse Arnhem Ajax Leon. bit of pedigree there uh, Trezeguet not too bad either El, uh, El Ali. And elect Muscron. Oh, this is Trezeguet. Sorry, Trezeguet. El Ali, And elect Muscron, Cassian Passa. and Watkins, Exeter, Western Supermare, Brentford. So, leaving Traore aside, Dean Smith has these players playing at the absolute zenith of their careers. Arguable, you know, and even even Troy is arguable um, because he wasn't necessarily a starter for Chelsea, and, um, you know, but he had a good run at Ajax. but, But anyway, generally speaking, these players do not have top six credentials on their CVs. None of them. Not one. So this idea that Dean Smith should have this group of players who have never played that level before, never, none of them, not one have played that level consistently before and should have them third or fourth is actually a bit ridiculous when you look at it like that. These players are all playing at the highest level they've ever played at under Dean Smith. Now, imagine when we do have players that have Bayern Munich or Liverpool or Man United or uh, so on and so forth on their CV who are used to playing at a high level and I believe those players are coming in the summer by the way I think then once Dean Smith has the players that are used to playing at that level and he can see we can see we can improve them even further then let's talk about whether or not he's good enough but for us to say that he's not good enough now I think is.
2: It's fanciful. It's ridiculous. I mean, it can't be defended. Well, well no, and and, and I, I, you made the point there, Craig, about um, this idea that he he can't take us to the next level. And I've I've seen this so many times. I mean, this was the case. I remember when when Steve Bruce was manager, and people were saying, "Well, as soon as we get promoted, if we get promoted, he's got to go because he can't manage in the Premier League." Now, now that may or may not be true, but we but but we don't know, do we? Really and dean smith has has come up through through the leagues he's got hundreds and hundreds of games under his belt um league games as a manager under his belt um he's gone through you know several periods of of you know bad periods where he's he's lost a lot of games in a, in a in a row and he's been able to to look at himself and and learn from it and turn it around consistently you know even at villa he's had two spells now where he's done that, where he's, he's he's not been able to buy a win, and then he's 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 come back and we've we've you know we've we've basically achieved on both of those occasions what we what we set out to do. So this idea that he 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 can't manage at the top level is is or can't take us to the next level is it comes from this I this I remember when when Southampton sacked um, Atkins and brought in Pochettino. That's what people refer to every time well you know Atkins was doing okay at Southampton they sacked him and brought Pochettino and did, did an awful lot better and, but then he left and now, now look where they are you know I, I just think there's a, there's a lot to be said for allowing someone like Dean Smith who, who is an incredibly deep thinker on the game you know and he surrounds himself continuously with people that that help him you know that bolster his, his attributes um. He's he's the best man for this. I I genuinely believe, and and like you like you say, Craig. Once one or two extra players who who do have a bit of extra pedigree start coming through the door, which I'm sure they will, um, I think he will he will take us on to the next level, and he will be that manager that 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 top class manager that we're looking for. I do think a lot of it as well is because he's English and and, and I, I think that's a, such a shame.
0: Look at what's happening with Sheffield United at the moment for an interesting contrast. I mean, Chris Wilder and I almost said Gene Wilder <laughs> that should be a very different <laughs> footballing experience. But I mean, Wilder left over the weekend, right? And, and admittedly, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on there. But can any of us see Sheffield United reaching the heights they did under under his management? And it's that that almost being careful what you wish for, both from a board level and a fan level is... Experience doesn't matter for anything if if you don't have a kind of guy who gets his tactics right, gets the squad in order, gets his transfers right. I mean... Look at the very best in the league. Mourinho had no Premier League experience before he took Chelsea to the title. Ferguson had no Premier League experience. Wenger had no Premier League experience. You've you've got to get that experience from somewhere and you get it by going through sticky patches, learning on the job. It's, it's the best way to do it. And Andy, as you say, he's... He's he's kind of done his apprenticeship at a lower level, and now he's he's learning on the job higher up.
1: Sheffield United is a wonderful comparison because I watched them against Leicester, and they were gone without Wilder, without their leader. You know, I was thinking to myself, I wish this happened a couple of weeks earlier. Yeah. We could have <laughs> uh, we could have cashed in on three points because you know that they obviously they were still fighting for Wilder, and Wilder's gone now, and I thought. You know, I don't, I, I don't think Sheffield United will win another game now. I think that's it for them. I think they'll lose three or four every week because they're not the best collection of players to begin with. And without their talisman, their leader, uh, Chris Wilder, I think it's over for them. But the, the, the Sheffield United references is important because when Dean Smith took over, we got promoted with Sheffield United and Norwich. They Both those teams were streaks ahead of us. Not just better than us in the championship, streaks ahead of us. Norwich won the league at Canter, Sheffield United were wonderful. You know, we lost to them, I think, away and then scraped a uh, a 3-3 draw with a, with a last-minute uh, header from Andre Green, which we'll all remember forever. But we were nowhere near, you know, we finished fifth. Where are Norwich right now? Championship. Where is Sheffield United right now? Going to the championship. Where are Aston Villa right now? ninth in the Premier League looking upwards towards Europe. So that in itself tells you that Dean Smith has moved Aston Villa along at incredible rates in just those two years. And um, you know, the, the Smith out Brigade, I think, you know, it's um, criticized the performance, criticized the form, but don't try and uh, talk the manager, the best manager we've had since Martin O'Neill at the door before he's had a chance to really, you know, finish this project and see it through.
2: Absolutely, and there, there, there will be, I'm sure, at some point there will be a succession plan for Dean Smith. But at this point, he's in he's in the middle of the the project, and he's way ahead of schedule. Yeah, Real, really, yeah, miles ahead, absolute miles ahead. Because you know, we we wouldn't have been expected when he was promoted. We wouldn't have been expected to get, when he was appointed. Sorry, we wouldn't have get, expected to get promoted. So that's a season ahead already. We could have easily gone down. Last season, and you know, then we're in an all sorts of a mess. It's he's 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 done he's met every single um challenge that has, has been thrown at him head on, and he has been heavily backed, there's no doubt about it. You know, he's he's had some really good backing, he's, he's been given, he's been afforded that that space and time to, to do what he's doing. Um, but I just don't see and, and I'm sure it's a minority. I'm sure it's a it's a vast minority of people. You know that, are, if that's a phrase. I'm not sure if that's a phrase, but I'm sure. I'm sure it's a very <laughs> a small minority of people um, who are. What did Steve Bruce call them? The mad. few? The mad few. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And 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 yeah. And there was a, there was a few more of those mad few when Steve Bruce was in charge. I, I have to say, but well, I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he made me mad as a <laughs> mad as a hornet. I tell you.
2: But um, yeah, he's he's he, Dean Smith. I'm sure has you know has the the support of a lot of people. It's it's just these kind of question marks about you know can he get this this group of players into the into the top six? And the answer is no because probably the group of players aren't good enough. Um, I mean, what you 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 those players you listed and those clubs you listed, Craig. One player that obviously wasn't playing on Saturday is Jack Grealish, but this is the highest he's ever been in the football pyramid as well. So um, you know, let's not forget that. And you know, everyone from Jack Grealish to to um, obviously Dean Smith, even the owners, everyone is learning um, in this with this this project that's going on at Villa. And so far, the learning is good, and they're passing the tests. I think, and um, you know, uh, it's 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 going well, and people should enjoy it <laughs> that's that's my view, even though we can't be there people should be should be enjoying this i think um I, we're going to talk about another man who who's perhaps come in for some a bit of criticism, not just after this game but perhaps earlier in the season as well and that's um that's our standing captain um at the moment Tyro Mings on Saturday, i oh, sorry on Friday he had a he had a, a real physical battle with with Newcastle's uh, Joel Linton um who perhaps caught him out a few times and certainly put the pressure on him and, and and Mings was in no doubt that he'd he'd been in a been in a game after this um there's um there there's always different ways of looking at this and i have have written an article for the website about Tyro Mings that should be out um at some point um in the next few days just kind of Really highlighting, you know, the, the, the good thing, the good aspects of, of, of Tyro Mings, and how I see him as a real sort of linchpin in, in not only our defence but our dressing room and, and the club as a whole. I think he's he's a really great kind of character um, to have around the place, and um, I feel that he's he's massively helped, um, obviously he, himself, his he you know his, his performances, but certainly he's helped Esri Konsa, and I also think he's, he's he's massively helped Matt Target on the on the left hand side. Um I was thinking back to um a couple of years ago when um John Terry was was playing in that position for us and John Terry turned Alan Hutton into a reasonable left back, which is just astonishing. And I think I think Mings has done a, a similar kind of thing at a high level, obviously, with 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 Matt Target. I think he's really helped Matt Target. Um, positionally and defensively Um, and it's just a a, you know I've I've put it all in the in the article anyway so hopefully that'll be out soon and and that'll be worth a read Um, but in the five games since Grealish has been out Villa have only scored three goals and managed to pick up five points Um, and that's just entirely down to the the defence and you know Connor and Target have received massive praise and they they may be getting an England call up which we'll, we'll talk about later on but for me Mings is the man that leads that defense and and kind of keeps everyone in check um i mean firstly craig um you know where do you think this criticism comes from and 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 how do you assess Mings's contribution to to the defense since he's been at the club
1: i'll answer the the second part of, of your question first um Mings's contribution has been, you know, insane. You know, Mings's story has been well documented. You know, this is someone who um, was a mortgage advisor in his late teenage years. This is someone who uh, spent time in a homeless shelter because of a, a really troubling domestic situation. And this is someone who now, you know, in 2021 is going to be heading, you know, barring injury, is going to be heading to the Euros with England and is leading Aston Villa to a top half finish and, um, you know, his transformation has been remarkable and leading is the operative word there. Um, if anyone cares to, um, watch the Aston Villa game with the fake crowd noise turned off, um, in the, in the coming weeks, you will hear one voice and one voice alone. And that is Tyrone Mings barking orders, organizing everyone, hasting everybody. Um, but, um, and, and you know, he's he is a, an absolute um, pillar um, of our team and of our squad and of our journey, you know. Uh, no one really encompasses our improvement more than looking at someone Mings. You know, we've, we've gone from, you know, kind of the outhouse to, to the penthouse as a football club and Mings has done that as a person. So that doesn't mean that he doesn't have bad games Friday by the way he had a bad game I think that he got into a personal thing with uh, Joe Linton I think he did a similar thing uh, with Zaha in the Palace game he lost his focus ended up getting sent off in that game and uh, he did similar thing with Joe Linton he was trying to I don't know what it was but whatever he was doing wasn't good and he had a really poor game you know Mings was on the left wing at certain points Uh, (laughs) why is he doing out there you know uh, you know you can't follow him out there you know he, he had a poor poor game on Friday so let's not you know let's call it what it is, he had a poor game. But some of the personal, and and I have no problem saying he had a poor game because I think that's fair, that's fair enough. I think he had a bad game, but you know, overall he's been excellent for us. But some of the personal criticism, some of the dog whistle-y type stuff makes me a little bit uncomfortable. uh, When I hear things like, oh, or read things, should I say like, oh, well, you know, Mings is arrogant or Mings has a chip on his shoulder or Mings, you know, just needs to focus on his football. And I think we've seen some of those kind of insidious, unconscious biasy type things in the media about some of the work that Rashford's been doing. Certainly, Raheem Sterling has, has, has come into criticism for flying, everything from going to Greggs to flying on an easy jet plane. So some of this unconscious bias that creeps in, when I see that Oh, he's arrogant, he's got a chip on his shoulder. When looking at things outside of football, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And that criticism, I think, comes from a little bit of a dark place that um, certainly has no room, I don't think, in, in, in normal football discourse.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's really well put, Craig. I mean, as a player, I joked with with you guys on our WhatsApp group that he reminds me a bit of David James and the fact that he's brilliant 90% of the time, but he's got one game in him where you can tell within the first minute it's not going to be his best game. And do you know what? That's pretty good. I'll take that all the time. But the criticism is unfair. And, and I agree with Craig. I don't think it comes from a football in place. I think Words like confidence are important, and, and when people translate that to arrogance, there's that certain British mentality where we don't like someone who's you know, we say we like people who've done good, but we don't really. We like to smash them back down again. And he's a confident lad playing the best football of his life, leading a team, and I think he's a fantastic ambassador for the club on and off the pitch. And yeah, I I agree with Craig. I kind of I think none of the criticism comes from a football in place, or maybe maybe a little bit of it does, and there's, there's definitely a darker undertone there, which, which you know, we could get into, but I think it's just, again, it, it speaks to social media and uh, the, the nature of what social media is and, and maybe what the country is right now as well. Oh, that got a bit deep for
2: a moment there, talking yeah. about... This is what happens when we draw nil <laughs> 0 against Newcastle. Or oh, 1-1 <laughs> against Newcastle, sorry. 1-1, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd echo all that, really, and I think, I think it's really important to acknowledge some of that stuff because clearly um you know it, it is out there and and it and it is part of the unfortunately part of the the football discourse and we need to get we need to get get rid of that and we need to highlight it in order to do that so you know it's it's good that that's that that's the case i mean i mean i took a different a slightly different viewpoint of the um, of his performance against newcastle um you know undoubtedly he wasn't wasn't at his best um Although what I would say is that um although he got caught out of position, I think he took that 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 decision, didn't he, to to really kind of um you know take take that battle on with Joel Linton and maybe that was ill-advised. Um but I think in general he's he's a man that, that will take, he will do the dirty work for other people and I think he will take that that responsibility and maybe he he should have not done it on this occasion and and just kind of held his position a bit and 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 stuck to um stuck to his task really i think he wanted he didn't want to be shown up by Joel linton almost and and um you know i think i think but generally what he does is 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 he, he will do those those things that that consa can't do i mean concert is not a man to to bring the ball out of the back four and he's not a man to to ping sort of 40 50 yard passes um either and ming's takes a lot of that responsibility on um ming's is responsible quite often f- for pushing up and and, and pushing the, the the defense up you know cons is more of a kind of sweeper type isn't he that, that you know makes those blocks and and gets those those challenges in and comes away with the ball more often than not and he's been absolutely superb um, but you need all different types of of characters and 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 types of footballer in a, in a back four, don't you? And um, I certainly think perhaps he judged it wrong on this occasion. But I certainly think generally he he can take. I think he can probably take some responsibility for the emergence of Conza and and certainly Matt Target as well. As as, as you know, I'm sure. I'm sure Matt Target can continuously hear that bellowing voice in his in his ear as he's he's making those bursts forward and 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 so on. So, you know, um, I, I mean, I I don't know. I, it's weird because a lot of people have said he's he's poor, and, and and you said he was he was poor on 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 Friday, and. I'm, I don't know. I just didn't. Say that. Maybe I just missed it. Maybe I just. Maybe I'm, I just wasn't being critical enough.
1: But no, but you. That, but that's that's the great thing. We can watch the same game and have two different opinions. You think he he played well. I think he played four and poorly, and we can talk about it. But you know that's where it should begin, and that's where it should end. I think you know the other stuff. Um, you know we, we we have to stay away from it. But he definitely did good things. I think he did a, an amazing last ditch challenge. I think. Uh, towards the end where there was a, um, actually Matt Tiger gets done I think by Daryl Murphy and uh, Daryl Murphy puts the ball into the box and uh, it breaks past Martinez and Mings is there on hand to, to clear the danger. Um, so, you know, he, he had good moments. I just think that, um, I just think it wasn't his best day at the office on, on Friday, but um, he's, within that he still did good things
0: and maybe I mean and uh, I'm expecting Craig's face to drop as I say this maybe we need to have some praise for Steve Bruce as well here is I think was quite cute tactically oh <laughs> he uh both Joe Linton and Gale played very wide, I noticed, on Friday. And, and that kind of pulled both our centre-backs out of position, whether that was a deliberate ploy or or just uh, you know some accidental tactical genius from Bruce. But it definitely caught us out at times. And I thought that our most uncomfortable moments were when the centre-backs were getting pulled wide by them.
2: Yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, I'm sure Steve Bruce has got a few tricks up his sleeve and he is not given... <laughs> The credit he, he he perhaps deserves at times. I think we were expecting a different type of Newcastle attack for, for sure, and um, and I think they, they they perhaps sprung one on us there, and, uh, and 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 to to some degree it worked, but in many ways, certainly up front, they were just as bad as 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 we were um, all evening really. Um, but another player who's perhaps going for a bit of criticism as well, um, another mainstay of our of our team over the promotion season and since has been uh, John McGinn and he played his 100th match for the club fittingly against Steve Bruce who who brought him to Villa Park um, three three and a half years ago was it? Um, Now everyone loves McGinn um, of course and you know it's it's, it's, it's hurtful in a way to talk about some of this but um, it feels like the crown is in danger of slipping a little bit and you know there is little doubt, really, that we're not seeing the same um, Meatball Man who we've come to know and love over the years. And, and I mean, clearly Smith sees him as as integral, um, you know, to the setup and to what we're doing. Particularly with Jack Grealish being out, I would I would suggest, um, and he's in no no mood to replace him. But what what's going wrong with with McGinn, if anything? And 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 where do you see this going? You know, do you think he'll get to another hundred games? I'm,
0: I'm not even sure anything is going wrong. I, I I listened to you boys a couple of weeks ago criticising McGinn a little bit, and from my perspective, in a team that isn't performing very well, he's probably been our best midfielder over recent games. He's Even on Friday, look, he wasn't at his best, but he had the drive and energy we always associate with McGinn, and he was breaking the lines more than anyone else. And I think against Wolves as well, he was possibly our best player in that first half, and... Look, I mean, we all want him to return to the highs of that season when we came up from the championship. But I think that's possibly the problem we're facing now is McGinn set the bar so high in that season. He was he was so vital to us and central to everything we were doing that he's almost set unrealistic expectations of, of what we should be expecting from him. And I think the other thing this year is he's playing a different role for us. He's not the, the buccaneering player getting forwards, getting the goals. He's He's having to hold a lot more, be a lot more disciplined and... You know, he's one of those guys when he's got the players around him, he plays better. Right now, he's possibly the most creative player we've got in that midfield, and and that's not a situation any of us want to be in, and I think that's what's shown in his performances. But one thing I will add on is for two point five million or whatever it was, which is I'm gonna say is not a lot of money, but I'd I'd take two point five million right now. But it's it's a bargain in today's transfer market, and I think you'd struggle to go back and find a better bargain for Villa in the last ten years plus and God, I, I hope he plays another 100 games for us because I think if he does, we're, we're very much edging towards legend status if he does.
1: Yeah, I think McGinn is a fan favourite and I think we did criticise him a couple of weeks ago and um, I'm about to criticise him again. <laughs> 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 Um, and here's and here's why. And here's why. I I will. I'm going to agree with you there, Daniel. On the first half against Wolves, he was breaking the lines. He was intercepting. He created a, a really good couple of chances, particularly one that Ollie Watkins should have put away when he passed to Triore against Wolves. And um, he was doing similar things against against um, Newcastle. And he and, and he has been our best our, our best midfielder. I think in recent games, I agree with that as well. But I feel like that's kind of being like kind of the tallest man on (laughs) an island of short people. Um, Two things that I'm um, really, I'm going to say about John McGinn, and um, this this is my feeling. Yes, definitely I don't think he's hit the heights that he hit at the beginning of last season. I think that is clear. Now, there are a couple of reasons for that. I think a bit like Ollie Watkins, I'm going to defend him as well because I think he's too many minutes. He's not being rotated. And midfield is a place where we can afford to rotate. So that that actually falls on Dean Smith. I think you could see with the goal, as I mentioned, I think at the top of the show, uh, the Newcastle goal, you know, um, it's the last minute and McGinn is kind of strolling out to stop that cross. He's not sprinting. And um, because he's, he's finished, he's gassed. Um, but part of that responsibility falls on McGinn. There was an interview with Jack Grealish um, that I saw on a BBC Three thing this week where he said... Um, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, John McGinn has been told he needs to come and do some extra running with me. So clearly, now obviously I'm reading between the lines here. I might be putting two and two together and getting 18. But it seems by that quote from Grealish that the management structure are not pleased with his fitness levels. And his fitness levels haven't been the same. Um, Since his ankle injury, it does look like he's carrying a bit of extra timber um, than he was. Now, obviously, we all fill out as we get a bit older. So there's there's (laughs) some of that, you know, (laughs) some of us fill out more than others. (laughs) So there's some of that to be be thought of as well. But there was a moment with McGinn which made me furious. And part of this is Ollie Watkins' fault. So he had the ball and we were four on one for a break to go 2-0 up. Ollie Watkins has the whole picture in front of him and for some reason he's ran offside I don't know what Ollie Watkins was doing but that's fine because what um, what McGinn had was he also had one Newcastle defender which I think was Kieran Clark. he had Watkins to his right he had Barkley to his left in front of him and Sanson to his left in front of him and McGinn picks the pass to Watkins which was the wrong pass because Watkins was offside and I'm i that kind of that kind of moment there is what separates kind of a mid-table player from a top player a a, a midfielder at one of the top clubs is is playing the right pass there and it's 2-0 villa and we're not even having this conversation it's game over and i think that john mcginn sometimes his pass selection hasn't been quite quite what you'd want it to be and also with jack grealish out there's two players um there's two players that have been given massive new deals. Tyro Mings, who I think is earning his money, and John McGinn. Those have been our kind of three leading players, our three staples. I don't think John McGinn has stepped up to be the leader that we need him to be. And maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm expecting more from him than he can give. Maybe this is his level. But I, because we've seen him do so much better, I want more from him, and I'm, I'm not getting it, and it, and it upsets me. <laughs> That doesn't mean he's bad. Doesn't mean I hate him. It just means I think he should be doing more.
2: I, I, f- I feel a bit upset myself, to be honest. <laughs> <quick>. <laughs> that's uh, that's got me. Um, sorry. I mean, look, sorry. He's, it, look, he's, he's, I think he's a lot of people's favourite favourite player, isn't he? But it's a, it's, look, we're not seeing the same John McGinn that we saw in the Championship, which you know you kind of expect because it's a different level um but also like you say the start of last season and there's little doubt that he looks different he looks different um since he's come back from injury since restart last season um he looks he just looks his shape is different um and I don't know whether that's like you say sort of timber sort of carrying weight or whether he's it's a it's a it's a thing where he's 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 put on some muscle a bit like sort of jack grealish and, and other people have have done in the past just perhaps to make him a little bit more solid in the midfield I don't, I, I don't know i don't know but he's certainly a different shape and he certainly looks different on the ball he's 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 lost you know he's, he 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 never really struck me as being lightning quick because he's got such a strange style of of running but um he's He's certainly lost half a yard for me um, since he's come back, and I don't know. There's there's something that's that's not that's not right about about John McGinn. Um, Still puts in six seven out of ten performances. I think Um, I thought he was like we say the the best of a a bad bunch, perhaps on um, on on um, Friday night and. You're right. There are those certain moments, perhaps, where he just lacks that that little bit of quality that you might expect from a from a, a player that's you know playing for a top club. You know, someone who's, who's playing for, say, Tottenham or or Man United, who might be able to 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 kind of pick those right passes or that little bit of extra quality on the ball to get away from someone. Um, and we're not we're not getting that. And like you say, that might be because he's just not that level. Or it might be because something at the moment is is holding him back and he's not quite there fitness-wise. So it's a it's a it's a tricky one. It's it's never a conversation you want to have, is it? About a player that we all love, um, that means so much to us, um, and we just hope that maybe, you know, by by the start of next season, we we perhaps see see a bit more of a, the the old the old meatball man, as I say.
0: I'm going to still disagree with you guys which I hate doing especially as Craig makes everything sound so convincing but (laughs) (laughs) I reckon firstly the subject of Timber makes sense and I think he's carrying most of that in his backside which like John McGinn's backside continues to be Villa's most consistent performer week in week out like it's The amount of players he holds off with that thing is unbelievable, but we spoke a bit last week about energy levels and the players not having a proper pre-season and everyone looking unfit, and I think maybe what we're seeing is McGinn suffering more than most with that. He's He's a player about which energy is so much of his game, fitness is so much of his game, and... He came back from the ankle injury, didn't really have a pre-season and then has been thrown into this COVID season where he's playing twice a week and the demands are so high and I wonder if maybe that's it. Maybe we're just being a bit harsh on him because everyone's performing badly and everyone looks lethargic but... For McGinn, a guy who's so often the energizer bunny of our team, I think it's it's that much more noticeable when he's off the pace than it is anyone else. Like Jack, for example, if he's slightly off the pace, not running as hard, we don't notice as much because it's not what his game is defined about. Whereas McGinn energy is such an important part of his game that I think he's, just, he's shattered like every other player. You're just seeing it that much more with McGinn. And I think to Craig's other point, he probably would have been rested if we had the option to. It's, you know, we need some creativity without Jack and without Barkley being on form, and and I wonder when both of those are back if McGinn might have a spell out on the side.
2: Possibly. Yeah, possibly. And um, going back to your point there about the, um, the the fitness and the energy levels, I saw something briefly on on WhoScored dot um, com on on Twitter just 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 a little bit earlier where they said. They were saying there is something like only nine teams in the top leagues in in Europe are currently on a, a winning streak of more than two, you know. Which I think I think says it all, and I think a few managers and certainly Dean Smith has has alluded to the fact that this is a really weird season. Um, it, you know, it, in my opinion, it's a massive tick boxing exercise. You know, it's 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 a, it's a it's a They're playing on because they kind of have to. Um, It's not just the lack of fans. There's all kinds of things that have been thrown into the mix um, which have made this season really strange. And um, um, I think they're all just trying to cope with it the best they can. And certainly since since the the turn of the year, um, there's been an awful lot of games that have been very half-paced and very predictable I suppose and once a team kind of goes ahead that 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 can be it really and I think maybe we're seeing this at close quarters with our players and we we're, we're looking at our players and thinking well that's not how they usually are um and McGinn's one of those and like you say energy is such a massive part of his game and if he is low on energy for whatever reason then we're going to notice it more and more aren't we so uh Let's hope he he picks up anyway, and we're we're back to um, you know, singing that great song on the whole tender uh, at the start of next season. Um, so despite Villa struggling for form of late, um, there will be all eyes on on Gareth Southgate's England squad announcement this week. Um, a number of Villa players will be hoping that their form and improvement may may have earned them a, a call up. Obviously, Mings, as we've spoken about, and Jack Grealish fitness permitting should be retained um but but who who do you see as as the others that that could possibly sort of sneak into that squad
1: um i think that uh, konza as we discussed last week i think konza has has got a really good shout of being in especially if it's um as has been kind of rumored a larger squad where he goes with a 30-man squad you know anticipating dropouts you know injuries at this time of season um you know COVID and stuff like that i think cousins will be in i think matt target will just fall slightly short i think southgate will pick Chilwell and Shaw, and then with saka as well will be in the squad who can also cover there so i think um it will just be a slight step too far uh, for Target. Also Cresswell is knocking on the door as well. Um, you know, probably playing at a similar level to Target. Um so I think it could very well be those it could very well be those three. Obviously, um also Watkins maybe could sneak in. Um I think we just saw Bamford was injured and um um there's the you know Harry Kane's been struggling with injuries. Tommy and, Abraham's um, out as well, I think. Sammy Abraham is out. Um, and there's someone else. Uh, Ings is out as well. Uh, he's he's he got hurt late uh, recently. Or well, even if he hasn't been hurt, he's been in, in bad form as well. So Watkins maybe could sneak in. But I think um, I'll, I'll put my neck on the line. I'm going to say if 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 they're all fit, Mings, Grealish, and Konza will be in his first England squad.
0: Yeah, I, I think Conza might make it, but I think that the, the squad announcement's coming at a terrible time for the players who are on the fringe. I think Villa's form over the last five weeks or so has dropped off so much that the guys like Target and Watkins, who were perhaps knocking on the door a few weeks back, are, are probably off the radar again, purely because the team's form has has had that downturn. I think Watkins could be the interesting one, as Craig says, though. It's He offers something a little bit different, Maybe have a look at him now before going to the Euros, especially given that England aren't exactly blessed there. And and the other one, had he not got injured, I'd have been interested in is Matt Cash, who I, I think is is a great. I know mean, England are blessed with right backs; we could probably play an entire team of right backs. But he's he before the injury was probably the inform right back in the league, and it wouldn't have surprised me to see him get a, a call up. But but as it is, I think Conza might be the only one we add out out the, out the Villa boys currently. <sighs>
2: Yeah, I was thinking earlier about um, this. I think I think you're probably right uh, about about Conza and unfortunately and, and about Target as well. Um, but I was thinking about Jack Grealish and and his fitness issues, and I did think if he if he isn't fit to go on this one to this camp, if he doesn't play on Sunday, um, and he's not he's he's not deemed fit enough to go, he might struggle to make that Euro squad. Um, I think anyone that's kind of not in this squad other than the the mainstays so people like Harry Kane and rashford and people that have been around the squad for a year or so um you know he, he i mean it took it it took Southgate a good couple of years to pick to pick Jack in the first place and I just wonder whether if if he's if he's not in this this camp, whether then he falls behind. A few players, really. I mean, Madison's back on on form. Mason Mount's been on good form. You know, does he does he fall behind some of those guys, um, potentially if he's not involved? I think that the I think
1: Madison was flying. Harvey Barnes was flying, but both of those guys got injured. I think Mount is an absolute Gareth Southgate favourite and will be in the not just the squad the team regardless of what anyone else is doing and I don't necessarily think that's as bad thing as sometimes people make out I think Matt is a good player he does work hard he doesn't have he's not as as blockbuster as Madison or, or Grealish or Foden for that matter in fact he's not as talented as the others but he does have um, probably the higher work ethic um, out of the three although Jack does work a lot harder than people think he does um, so Matt will be in the team I just think it's um, for Grealish. I think it's going to be that left-sided uh, of the front three, and he's going to be up against Rashford. And Rashford is kind of a little bit out of sorts, so um, it's going to be going to be probably Sancho versus Sterling on the other side, and then it's going to be Kane up front regardless. So um, you'd, imagine, you'd, you'd imagine, you'd imagine, you'd imagine will go with you know his three of um, Sancho, oh, sorry uh, Rashford, or you know I don't know. There's a
2: lot of options you no. know there's
1: a lot it's, of options yeah there <laughs> is a, there is a lot of think, options
2: and I think I think Foden comes into yeah. that 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 argument as well and and I just feel that it's kind of a critical time for Jack and clearly I mean he could come back after the international break and storm the end of the season and he he'd probably be in the squad because it's it's undoubtedly that he does he does offer something something different to anyone else um that we have but I know Southgate has doubted him, hasn't he, big time? And 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 I just fear that if if Jack doesn't make a mark in the next couple of weeks in that camp, then um, then he might fall behind one or two others. Maybe.
0: I think at a tournament you need a player like Grealish because especially if you you're playing some minnows and you need need someone to just break the lines or your a moment of magic or even if you're looking to hold the ball in the last twenty minutes of game, a game, a player like Grealish has a lot in his locker. I just worry I mean he's always been compared with Gaza throughout his career and I same as you, Andy. I wonder if there'll be a France ninety-eight moment where Grealish will get called into a hotel room somewhere by Southgate telling him he's not made the squad and it would be criminal if if so, because he is he's one of the best English talents I've ever seen, and, and obviously I'm a card carrying villa fan, but He's he's got something different to so many players that you've got to have him in the squad, in my opinion. But I think the injuries come at a terrible time for him. Like a good time for Villa, maybe is we, if he doesn't make the squad, we get an extra couple of weeks rest out of him. But for Jack personally, I think this was the chance to, if not cement his squad plays, cement a starting eleven berth too.
1: I hope he's done enough. I hope he I hope he did enough in the last international break. I think I think Gareth Southgate has been converted. I think he's a believer. <laughs>
2: There isn't a believer version of Jack Grealish, thank, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but uh, <laughs> you might be right there. You might be right, in it. and for all we know, he's whatever happens. He's 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 busy scribbling down his his tactical plan that um, that focuses everything around Jack Grealish, and uh, no one would blame him for that because he is a he's a superb talent who can who can sort of um, you know make that step, I think, and be that type of player for England. Um but i mean we'll we'll see we'll we'll wait with bated breath and um I'm sure by the time you talk, you guys get up on uh, on Thursday morning it'll be all announced, and you'll be able to, to have a look but um we'll 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 wait and see and i'd love i'd like you say I'd love concert to be um to be involved because I think he really deserves it this season um I mean looking ahead now to to tottenham hotspur on on Sunday evening. Um, as Jose Mourinho's resurgent team head to Villa Park. Um, this is, of course, one of the rearranged matches from the COVID outbreak, or before the COVID outbreak. And it is a, a quirk of the season that with 11 games remaining, we're still yet to face either Spurs or Everton. So, four of our 11 it, games are against those two teams. Although Spurs lost to Arsenal last weekend, they have undoubtedly been on an improved run, um, whilst Villa have have perhaps been struggling, whereas when the game was initially meant to be played, the form was probably somewhat reversed. Um, It's difficult to see too much hope going into this one after the recent games, Um, um, but we do have a tendency perhaps to pick up um, the odd good result just when we need it in the season, and particularly when it's perhaps a bit more unexpected, um how do you see this one going do you think there'll be any changes and might we see see the return of Jack Grealish perhaps
1: Well as I said at the beginning I wasn't expecting Jack Grealish back until after the international break um uh, and I I think I stand by that I think um Whatever the high drinks are going on with this, um, it's kind of like kiss chase. <laughs> <The> journalist, <laughs> journalist chasing Dean Smith around for an answer, a straight answer about Jack Grealish's fitness. Um, you know, it's 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 difficult. Um, how do I see this one going? I think on current form, I think I see a Tottenham win um, unless Grealish is playing. I think actually, if Matty Cash is back, um, that gives us a, a, a better chance. But I think. Uh, this kind of rejuvenated Tottenham team. I think we will need Jack Grealish back to to beat them. Um, so I'll I'll say I'll give you two score predictions. Okay. Two, to, two to, if Grealish plays one uh, one. If Grealish doesn't play two um, 0 Tottenham.
2: Okay.
0: I'm I'm similarly downbeat. I think if. But I think if this weekend's action is anything to go by for both Spurs and Villa, then I might choose to go watch some paint dry instead. <laughs> it could be could be a very bleak 90 minutes of football. But I have a feeling Spurs will have too much for us, too many game changers there. Even though they've got a few injury worries, Kane's got a knock. And I think Son kind of went off with a hammy at the weekend too. So, you know, there's there's hope there. And I think the fact that we are... A gritty team that keeps clean sheets could go in our favour. We could have two teams that want to counterattack and and neither of them push for the goal. Uh but I honestly I either, best case scenario nil nil, worst case scenario I could actually see us getting getting thumped by Spurs. I think we're even even though we've improved defensively, I still think we've we've got a bad result in us at the moment. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was against Spurs.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's the danger, isn't it? If the defence does have an off day against um you know, guys like uh, Harry Kane and, and, and Gareth Bale and Mora, you know, we, we we might be in trouble. Um there's also no Mr. Rabona. He's um he got <laughs> sent off, didn't he? So he'll probably miss what that What a goal game. by the way. Yeah, I mean he, he's what he's he's great at that sort of thing, but <laughs> I'm not sure he's although, you know, he's 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 a good shout for someone. Um, you know, he might be available in the summer. Maybe Dean Smith can do something with him. Um but yeah it's there's not a lot of um a, a lot of hope other than that kind of thing where you think well it just might be our day you know it just could be our day and um we might just be have the game planned for for Tottenham um i would i'd, I'd certainly be be bringing the camber back in for this one i think and um Hopefully, I mean, if 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 Jack is available, then then obviously he he would play. trail will be will be out. I think I think he's 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 injured. And like we say, if Matt Cash can be can be in, he'll he'll certainly strengthen the stand that side. So you never know. It could be it could be just one of those games on a weird kind of Sunday, late Sunday kickoff, and. Um, you know, it might be I think the Liverpool seven two was a, a late Sunday kickoff as well, isn't it? So I, I quite like that, that timing. <laughs> Although I wouldn't if I was going to the game. Um so yeah, I'm 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 gonna I I never predict Villa to lose, um, even when I think they're gonna get absolutely thumped. <laughs> um, but I will I'm gonna go for two one to Villa. Um and that's with or without Jack, I think. Um I'm, I'm, I keep going for these scorelines, don't I? <laughs> we don't get anywhere near it, but um, yeah, I'm going to go for two one for to Villa and uh, and let's hope that that that, that pays off um, and we we we're, we're looking up towards Europe again, maybe. <laughs> but thanks again, guys, for, um, for for coming on today. That's all we've we've really got time for today. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure to chat to you and and get some of those. Uh, those negative thoughts out in there uh, and throw them about a bit so, so thanks very much for that and thanks to everyone for for listening um wherever you're listening from um, like i said before if you if you want to follow follow the the uh, the website on on social media we're on twitter facebook and instagram or you can head over to the the website itself under a gaslit lamp.com to read read all the the latest articles by our team um and that covers the whole the whole club uh, first team the youth team the youth the academy and of course the the villa women's team who are coming up to a really a really important phase of their season so so get over there and 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 have a look at that that writing i did say last week that that, that Regan and Georgia will be recording a um a villa Women's podcast um, that hasn't happened yet, but I think that's in the pipeline as well, um, either for this week or next week. So, so keep an eye out for that as well. Um, but in the meantime, um, hope you uh, hope you're all well. Uh, stay safe and up the Villa.